Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Be a blessing to you. Matthew 24, all the way down towards the end. Let's start reading at verse number 44. I think we finished up there. Therefore, be also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods, But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken, then the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We looked at the Goodman. We looked at uh, Noah. We did a comparison there. And now we're into, we have faithful, uh, we have a faithful and wise servant now that is contrasted with an evil servant. So we're going to try to rightly divide this tonight. But in verse number 45, when it says, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season. So the Lord, this Lord of the house, remember we talked about the goodman, and that's the that's the ruler of the house, that's the that's the that's the man of the house, the head of the house. Well, this ruler of the house now leaves, and he leaves it in care of a faithful and a wise servant. And he's going to be coming back because we see it says in due season. That just means at the right time, at the appointed time. And so we have this contrast here. We have a servant that can either one, he can either choose to obey the Lord of the house or two, pretty simple. It's the polar opposite. He can just choose not to obey the Lord of the house. Look at verse number 48. The evil servant will basically, he's just going to listen to his own personal assumptions. He's going to listen to what he's got going on in his own heart. And he's going to say, this is what it says. The evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth is coming. And basically what is going to be the result of that evil servant? He's going to say something in his heart. And the result of it's going to be, well, we see that he's going to smite his fellow servants. He's going to eat and drink with the drunken. So he's basically going to afflict and punish the other servants. And then he's going to hang out with the world. That's pretty much how it goes. So you have this Lord of the household. The Lord goes away and he leaves now the care to faithful servant. You can either be a faithful servant or you can be an evil servant. 
And the faithful and wise servant basically is compared to those that are going to obey and rule the Lord's household according to what the Lord told him to do. The evil servant is not going to obey. He's going to come up with his own ideas. And we see, let's read verse 48 and 49 again. This evil servant, my Lord, delayeth his coming. Here's what he's going to do. Verse 49, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. Yet two options that we're looking at, two polar opposites. And what's the unchanging thing that we can glean from this passage? What's the one thing that's going to happen for sure, no matter what? The Lord is coming back. <laughs> so, on the one hand, you've got faithful and wise servants. On the other hand, you have evil servants. And people are going to have to make a choice on where they're going to fall. But one thing that it will be absolutely sure, that Lord is coming back. And it don't matter what side you're on, it's not going to change what he's going to do. And when you look at verse number 46, the uh, a bit of the cause effect. When the Lord returns, and he will return, verse 46 says, the wise servant will be blessed. And we look at the text, it says, blessed is that servant. Well, that's the one referring to the one in verse 45, the faithful and wise one. That's that servant. Whom is the Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler, all, ru ruler over all his goods. He's going to be blessed. With rewards. <laughs> okay, verse 47. Now, two thoughts on that. We've said this before, and if you've been with us since we've been going through Matthew 24, a lot of people get a lot of doctrine mixed up because they take Matthew 24 and they apply it to the church. But we're talking about uh, Daniel's prophetic week. And the blessing is that what's going to happen when the what, before the Lord comes back during this prophetic week, those faithful servants, those wise servants, are going to be those that obey the Lord during that time that don't take the mark and all the stuff that we already talked and preached about. And the blessing is they are going to enter into a physical kingdom set up by the Lord when he comes back down for his second coming. They're going to enter in there. That's going to be blessing number one. And they're going to have some rule over all their goods. No, all his goods. They're the Lord. And so they're going to be blessed. It's the Lord's goods. Now, the evil servant, look at verse 51. The evil servant is not going to be blessed. The evil servant will be judged. The Lord of that servant, verse, uh, verse, um, uh, verse 51, yes, sorry. And shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. 
there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sounds like judgment to me. <laughs> Cut asunder, point his portions with the hypocrites, weeping and gnashing of teeth. It doesn't sound too good. It doesn't sound too good at all. And the whole Hindu season time, there's going to come a point in time and God's going to start dropping those evil servants into a place of torment where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's a literal place called hell that not a lot of people want to talk about. People say the parable, well, Luke 16, it's, it's, just, a, it's just a parable. It's just, it doesn't really mean what it says. Well, what is it supposed to mean? It's just supposed to illustrate something. Yeah, it's supposed to illustrate that there is a real literal hell. The fire is literal. Fire means the fire. The rich man's literal. The rich man means the rich man. It's a literal place that people will literally go. And what our message is to people is, don't go to hell. We don't want you to go there. That's why we bring the good news of the gospel. And be a good place to park and just kind of go down that rabbit trail a little bit. Some people, when you watch them do evangelistic efforts of any sort, it almost seems like they're happy that people are going to hell. You know, there's a spirit and there's an attitude behind a Christian witness that should come across where maybe they don't get saved. Maybe they don't agree with our message, but they should come away with saying, you know what? I respectfully disagree. In other words, there was something about that Christian witness told me the truth. In the spirit of love. Now, they might not be able to put it in those words, but they should certainly come away knowing that there was some care and concern for that person. And let's not forget that. But judgment's coming to those that don't obey the Lord. And I don't want to go over all the stuff we already run over and just be repetitive, but they're taking the mark and they're just going on living their life. Like no concern at all. Now, there's no way this can be for the New Testament church. There's no way this can be for the New Testament Christian. I have, you have, we have, if you're saved, eternal life. Let's just look at a few passages concerning eternal life. Get John chapter 10. In Romans uh, chapter 6, John chapter 10 and Romans chapter 6. Some will say that the Christian church will need to go through either all of or some of Daniel's 70th week because they need to be purified. They need to be purged. They weren't completely faithful in living their life. And so now God has to deal with them. I'd like to show you in a minute, we've, we've gone through so many examples, but I'd like to show you another one. By way of example in this specific one, but John 10 says, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of 
my hand. That evil servant is going to be judged. And the result is they're going to go to a place. We're not going to a place. Not down. We're going to a place up. Never perish. You have words here that define themselves. Eternal life means you can't, number one, you cannot lose your salvation. You can lose fellowship with the Lord, but you can't lose your salvation. They shall never perish. The word never is a self-explaining word. That I'm, there's nothing really to comment on. Neither shall a man pluck them out of my hand. Everybody knows Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. We use this verse when witnessing. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's our message. As New Testament Christians, we are offering, oh, someone says, oh, go get a life. I've got a life. I've got eternal life. Would you like in on it? Eternal life is what God offers them. And it's only through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We all know that. Titus 3, you don't have to turn there, but I'd like you to turn to 1 John, if you would. Get your finger in 1 John, and I'll read you Titus 3, 7, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we're justified by God's grace. Nothing we can do to earn it. Because that would be called work. One of the most difficult things when talking with the lost, this lost world, is getting people out of a works-based mentality. God said it's by his grace, and that's how you will, and I will, and everybody will be justified. Made heirs according to hope of eternal life. Now, 1 John 2, if you're already there, another verse. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. We've got eternal life. Nothing we can do as Christians can cause us to lose it. Because no man's going to pluck them out of my hand. Now, young people, that doesn't mean you go out and sin. The Bible explains that when God forbid you don't get saved so you can get a pass to sin. That's wrong thinking. You're saved unto good works. You're saved unto godliness. You're saved unto some things. And the Bible gives us, God gives us some expectations. He has expectations for his people to live for him and to serve him and to be faithful to him. And you should do that because you desire to, because you want to. Out of what he did for you, you know, kind of like just giving you eternal life. <laughs> People act like that's not a big deal. There's this idea going around in our society now that somehow we're going to live forever if we just take this jab or we just take this whatever or we just wear this. We're not going to live forever. And I want everybody to be safe and take their own personal precautions. But if we pass from this, life down here we're passing on to another life that's eternal with the lord it's better it's better what should be our focus then 
you use telescopes in school? Do you use microscopes? Do you use any scopes? <laughs> we're, we're homeschoolers. <laughs> we're not up to, up to speed with all the. All right. Do you use glasses? Has anybody ever used glasses? Binoculars. Binoculars. Yeah, amen. Has any of you youngins used binoculars? Okay, very good. When you have the binoculars, you have to bring it into focus so that you can see what you're trying to binoculate. Okay? You look through it and you turn the thing and then it brings into focus what you're looking at. And then typically what you say is, wow, I didn't know that bug had that many legs or whatever it is that you're looking at, right? We need to do that with our perspective. If we're going to leave this world, we have eternal life. When we look out into the world with our binoculars, we have to tune them up and we have to get the vision or the focus of, oh, an eternal perspective. I'm glad I dialed it into that because that's ultimately what people need is eternal life. So what I can't, if I die tonight, I can't witness to anybody anymore. Can you, (laughs) we're in a better place. It's eternal life, but there's still people down here that need to hear the good news of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we have eternal life, We've got to dial in our binoculars or our microscope or our glasses into an eternal perspective. And that's how we have to leave. That's how I want to leave. That's how I want us to leave this world. Uh, Go to 1 John chapter number 5, verse 11. First John 5, uh, chapter... Or said, try again, 5.11, chapter 5, verse 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us, that would be believers, eternal life. And this life is in not good works, not religion, not a denomination, not social class, not family wealth. It's in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our perspective and our focus needs to come into. Serving, loving, honoring, and telling others that they can have life in his son. Acts 13, 48, you don't have to turn there, but and as many as were ordained to eternal life, believe. So if somebody ever asks you if you're ordained, you say, yes, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And I was ordained to eternal life. Now, it's great if you get into the ministry, you have an ordination. But you don't want to have that hanging on your wall without etern- without the ordination made without hands, if you will. Because if you are not ordained to eternal life, to them that believed, it doesn't matter how many certificates you have. You are on your way to a devil's hell. You can live your life religious and die enslaved enslaved to religion. Ordained to eternal life, believe. 
Last one I'll share with you. There's so many of them. John 3.15 says that whosoever believeth in him should not what? Perish, but have eternal life. So Matthew 24 and what's talking about here, the faithful and wise verse, the evil servant, is not referring to New Testament, age of grace, Christianity, or Christians. The only judgment that the Christian will go through, because he will go through judgment, will be, get 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, the only judgment the Christian will go through. will be the judgment seat of Christ. That's it. Watch what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. First Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work, verse 15, shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. I have eternal life. I cannot lose my salvation. What was the word that I accented on purpose in 1 Corinthians 3? It was works. Our works as Christians will be judged. Rapture would have happened tonight. We're going to meet the Lord glorified body and then we're going to be judged. Based on our works, that's the judgment seat of Christ. It's going to be, what did you do for the Lord? Did it have the binoculars tuned into an eternal perspective? Reward. And all the good works that you and I did that had no eternal perspective, burnt up. The Christian, the saved, born-again child of God can never lose his salvation. It's eternal. It's everlasting. Which one? Both. You get saved from that moment on, forever and ever and ever would be everlasting life. Someone gets saved today, they've got everything going backwards, eternity, and they've got everything going forwards, eternity. What's all that mean? I don't know what all that means. All I know is we've got everlasting from this point on, and we got eternal backwards and forward. <laughs> We're, the Lord's going to keep us. We can't lose our salvation, but what we can lose is fellowship with the Lord. And the other thing we can lose, it, fellowship with the Lord down here, that's broken fellowship. Something becomes between me and my kids or fathers, mother, something becomes between you and your children. Grandparents, something becomes between you and your grandchildren. They don't stop being your grandchildren. They don't stop being your children. Something's between a husband and wife. They don't stop being husband and wife. There's just loss of fellowship. The thing has to be made right to come back into a right fellowship. But he's never going to stop being my son. Your children are never going to stop being your children. 
and you'll lose rewards, but you will not lose your salvation. Your, your works will be burnt up. You will not be burnt up in a place called hell. Is everybody picking up what I'm putting down? Are we getting this? Amen. This is, this is important stuff. And we need to be careful. Baptists tend to get themselves in trouble when they rail on the Roman Catholics, yet they start adopting Roman Catholic thinking. And there is a doctrine that's starting to come into Baptist churches that's saying, well, this is referring to Christians. Well, the Roman Catholics had a doctrine, they still do, called purgatory. You know what purgatory is? It's a place, a temporary place where you're going to go to have your sins purged, paid for. It's basically temporary punishment. Because you're not free from all of your sins or faults. And they've not been fully paid for is really what the doctrine says. Did we just sing Jesus paid it all? Our sins are paid for. And when you take Matthew chapter 24 and you try to start applying it to the church, the next thing you need, you know, you're teaching punishment for unfaithful Christians. And that punishment, we're going to see in a minute, is a place. How can I be an unfaithful servant? How can I be a, an unwise, an evil servant in this chapter if it's a place that they're going to go to after their judgment? Can't be. It's a Catholic doctrine. You and I will never atone for our own sins. Because if we try, it'll be a failure every single time. Jesus Christ the Lord. So what's this talking about? It's the Jews. This is for the Jews during Daniel's prophetic week, Daniel's 70th week. And it's those Jews that have not prepared themselves for the second coming of the Lord. And because they have not prepared themselves for the second coming, they're going to be judged. Those that are that have prepared themselves and have made themselves ready are going to be blessed and they will enter into a physical kingdom. That's why we already talked about this went verse by verse. The salvation talked about in Matthew 24 and in this time of Daniel's prophetic week is a physical salvation. So when you see saved in the Bible, it's not always a soul. It's not always spiritual. You have to be able to divide these things out and we'll be able to get the full context. Look at Matthew 24 verse 51 again. Those Jews have not prepared themselves and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, before I make a little point on a word here, I want to say this right now. Daniel 69th week of prophecy was fulfilled on the cross. Jesus paid it all. Rose from the dead. We have the indwelt Holy Spirit. We entered into 
what's called the church age or this this time where uh, and we'll, uh, we'll get more into this in Romans but we entered into this time where God has said okay I am done for time for a time but in due season I'm going to return God is done for a time in dealing nationally with the Jewish nation with the nation of Israel so right now we're not preaching a national gospel we are preaching an individual gospel how to be saved one-on-one maybe one to a group but it's souls that we're trying to save god is going to turn back and start dealing with that nation again after the church is caught up and then the time clock is going to start again and now a national scope comes into play why the purifying of the nation they're all going to turn to him and that nation will be a national scope and that's what's going on in matthew 24 but that's not what's going on now if there's any national scope it's how can we get the gospel to individuals all over the nation that would be our scope in that matter but in matthew 24 verse 51 Watch what it says in the middle. It says, and appointed and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing teeth. There, the word there refers to a place. That place is hell where punishment is real. And during Christ's second coming, there will be a judgment of hell for the evil servants. And you know why this cannot be the catching away of the church? Because when we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, another reason is we don't see any mention of judgment or anybody going to hell. We see us as saints being caught up to meet the Lord, and we are not left here. We are taken in glory. Taken in glory. Get a glorified body. So there's no mention of casting into hell. There's no mention of any of that during the catching away of the saints. I'd like to finish with this thought. I think we can all make some practical practical application to. If we're not careful, us living our life down here, we can end up with the same mindset. As the evil servant. Look at verse 48. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart. My Lord delayeth his coming. Now I know where it is rightly divided doctrinally. I've done this. I'm sure you've done this. Did Jesus pay it all for our sins? Are we washed in the blood? Are we on our way to heaven? And we have eternal life, right? Does that mean that we don't sin anymore? It means we still sin. Now, our past sins are forgiven. Our present sins are forgiven. Our future sins are forgiven. And if you had to confess to the Lord all of your sins before you got saved, you would never be able to do it. One reason is because you would never be able to 
Tell them all the sins that you're going to commit. You don't know you're going to commit yet. That's one of many. But we need, I know where it fits doctrinally, but we need to be careful. We don't think like the evil servant in our day. Well, the Lord's going to delay his coming. I'm doing this sin. Well, the, Lord, the Lord's going to give me a little more time. I can just enjoy this sin right now because, well, I'm saved. And the coming being talked about in Matthew 24 is the second coming. I get that. But at any time, he can come for his church. The last thing I want to be caught doing is something sinful. And we've got to stop with, well, I'm young, I'm healthy, I can do this for a little bit because, and then we just fill in the blanks on how we justify doing the sin that we ought not be doing. Well, I'll just listen to a little bit of this because, you know, I'll, go, I'll just get to church on Sunday and I'll make it right then. That's wrong thinking. How about the preacher isn't omnipresent? The, 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 the sweet folks at Pilgrim Baptist aren't omnipresent, but there's a God who is, and he's watching. Not some fantasy uh, pagan troll that says be good for goodness sake and We'll just dial up our behavior on December 1st and hope we get a bunch of goodies from somebody that doesn't exist. That's not what... Oh, you know how many kids start being good two weeks before somebody hangs up a stocking? And we as Christians justify our sin and say, well, the Lord isn't going to come now. Jesus can't see me. I'll make it right later. And we get our behavior right when we know we're going to get a prize? What type of Christianity is that? Husband says, oh, I'll just do this. My wife will never know. The wife says, oh, I'll just do this. My husband will never know. God knows. It's dialing in the binoculars so we get an eternal perspective. Now the Lord is delayed. You'll be real good at committing sins that you shouldn't be committing and acting just like the evil servant, Matthew 24. I don't want to be like that. So let's be careful. We don't use that as a mindset to excuse sin. God forbid. The main difference, the evil servant, he's unsaved. He's on his way to hell. We are saved. So we should have no part in that attitude and no part in that thinking. Finally, I'll leave you with this. If you're saved, trust you are. If you're not, you can make that thing right tonight. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. And you're a sinner. You misbehave at home, young ones. Your daddy is a, a nice man. He's a just man when he disciplines you. He doesn't just let you go. There's a consequence. Because sin always causes pain, always hurts. And God, your heavenly father, is not going to excuse anyone's sin. And he would be unjust and unloving and uncaring and a liar if he did. 
So he'd be just and righteous in casting you to hell for your sin. Oh, but the love of God, he doesn't desire to do that. That is why he sent Jesus Christ to be your advocate and pay for something that you can't pay for. Any of you young ones, can you buy your dad a car? Can't pay for it. You think you can pay for your sin? Can't. That's why Jesus paid it all. And he did that on the cross. He died after living a perfect life, never sinned, offered himself up as the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. And then three days, three nights later, he rose again. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he has a whosoever will gospel. God is the initiator. He came to seek and save that which is lost. It starts with God loving you. Will you respond to that truth? Salvation is simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What were you trusting in? It was something. You've got to turn toward God, repent of what you've been trusting in, put your full faith and trust in him, and he'll become your Lord and your Savior. If you are saved tonight, we should ultimately try to be dialing in our binoculars. We finally found the magnifying tool that we all agreed on. We should be dialing in that binocular and trying to act like we're saved and think like we're safe. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.